Hello, and welcome to Let's Get Vocal with Rena. I'm your host, Rena Cook, and I am a voice and speech geek. I am obsessed with all things voice. As a voice and presentation coach, my passion is empowering others to use their voices in more compelling and authentic ways. On this podcast, I visit with professionals who have powerful messages about speaking truth, using the voice to change hearts and minds. I also love witty, intelligent banter and always enjoy talking to others who are passionate about helping people and making this world a better place and having a great time doing so. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Let's Get Vocal with Rena. As we continue our focus on significant at 70, I've invited clinical psychologist Dr. Melissa Leedy to bring a professional perspective to the questions that we've been mulling over for several months. Now, Dr. Leedy is not new to our listeners on this podcast. She was a guest in April of 2020 when she talked to us about sleep, which, as you remember, the pandemic sleep became an issue for a lot of us. And so I think, Dr. Leedy, that it's been that long since you and I have actually had a conversation. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's crazy that it's been over a year. I know. It it, it doesn't seem possible. This year has just flown. So I do want to give you an official welcome back to Let's Get Vocal with Rena. It's so great to see you today. Thank you. It's good to see you. Thank you. And and you're looking so beautiful and so radiant. I just <laughs> love that. Um, we record, for those of us who are just listening to our voices, we record uh, a video so that we can see each other as we talk. And I'm so inspired by how radiant you look today. <laughs> so we'll just thank you. You're welcome. So the last year and a half um, has been really busy for folks in your line of work. Mm-hmm. What's it been like? Well, we have we have been very busy. I think all the, you know, all mental health providers across the whole country have been busier. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, some of the issues that you're actually talking about that, you know, over the course of this pandemic, um, people have asked a lot of questions about, you know, where they're at in their lives and what kind of things are important to them and how they want to spend their time. And um, so I think we're having a lot of um a lot of people coming in with anxiety and with existential questions and, um, you know, more people of, um, you know, the older generation and older generation who in the past might've thought mental health counseling, um, was not something for them. Um, I think we're getting a lot more people saying, you know what, I actually have some questions to ask and want to try to find some answers about these things that, you know, might be bothering me. Yeah. Well, the the pandemic has kind of provided an opportunity for a reckoning, you know, to really evaluate how we are living our lives and giving us time to make a course correction if we choose to. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, this happens for a lot of people when there's some type of crisis that happens in their life. And I think it's... um, you know, it's a hard thing, but it's interesting also that, you know, as a country and and as a world, we're all doing that right now that, you know, the pandemic really did 
put us kind of all in the same place of, mm-hmm. like you said, have a reset and and ask those hard questions that really can be easy to ignore over the course of your life. Yes. Well, you get so busy. You know, we get so busy that we don't stop and look at those issues, those questions that are bothering us. And then the pandemic gave us downtime and those issues settled into our bodies. And then we said, wow, I need to get help processing this. Right. Right. Once you know something, right, once you you have an awareness of something, you can't go back. And so when the <laughs> pandemic happened and we we gained a new awareness of how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about life and how things are going and what we are leaving to, you know, those who are younger than us and what we're contributing to the world. Once you have those reflections, you can't really go back and pretend that you never had them. Yes. And so I think there's this, this idea that, um, you know, people are very busy across all stages of life. People mm-hmm. are busier now, I think, than they ever have been. Um, and there's also, I think, a fear of if you reflect too much on where you're at, what will you find out? Right. You know, there's this, there's this fear of, um, gosh, what if I'm um, disappointed or, you know, what if I um, haven't been doing something that is so important to me and I've wasted all this time. And so I think people really avoid reflecting on where they're at, mm-hmm. which is a shame because then it actually makes it difficult to course correct or to, you know, switch, switch gears. Right. Or, or to increase your level of happiness and reduce your level of anxiety. And that's what everybody wants to do. Raise our level of high, uh, happiness. That's right. Reduce our level of anxiety. And unless you really yeah. probe into your own issues, you're never going to reach that goal of increased happiness and decreased anxiety. Right. Because you're just going to be going on autopilot all the time. And you're going right. to be, you know, working off the same script that you have been working off for however many years. Right. And so, right. um, you know, it, it is hard. It is hard to reduce anxiety and increase happiness. <laughs> and, and it can be a scary thing to reflect on, on your life and, and where you're at. Right. Now, full disclosure, I see Dr. Leedy professionally. She's my therapist. And we did a good number of sessions around aging, around mm-hmm. acceptance of the inevitable and mm-hmm. how to make, how to look at it, how to process it, how to feel about it and how to make plans for my, in air quotes, maturity. Now <laughs> you shared with me that a number of your clients that you see share these issues. It's pretty common what I came to you for. Is that correct? Yes, yes, it is. And and what are some of the issues surrounding aging, aging that women typically find challenging? Oh gosh, there's so many. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, one of the first and most obvious things is the change in our bodies and the change in the way we look. Um, you know, as just I mean, even myself in my mid 40s, you know, my body has changed and but there's your your body's changing, your hair is changing, your wrinkles are coming, you know, things are sagging like what you talked about in your first <laughs> podcast with this, you know, your butt starts sagging. Yeah, when your ass fell. So, you know, I mean, really there are those changes and then and then also just the changes in your movement, your ability to move. So, I think that when those things start happening, you know, it's like your, your, your mind and your brain have to catch up and say, whoa, you know, we're not 23 anymore. And our, my body is not doing this thing anymore. And so 
now there becomes this uh, tangible evidence that you can't ignore mm-hmm. that you actually are aging. So you've you've got that piece of it that your your mind hasn't um, isn't basically aligned with where your body is and the changes in your body. But that also brings a lot of societal and cultural changes, right? And in our culture, I don't think that we value the aging process that other cultures might. We don't, um, I think, value the wisdom that comes from um, older generations and from tradition or from, you know, any of those things. Um, So I think there also, you know, starts to become this feeling that um, you're insignificant, Yes. Right. And that you don't, you don't know how to, um, you know, offer anything of value. And I think it's also harder to connect with people because there's so many quick changes all the time that I think as you start aging, you just kind of want some simplicity, but for people who are younger, they don't want simplicity. They, they like complexity. They like to think. And so I think there's this, just this, um, dichotomy um, of kind of where where you're at as an aging person and what you what you need and mm-hmm. what you're starting to appreciate more of, mm-hmm. you know, um, compared to when you're younger. Um, I, I found myself thinking so much lately as I, I, I do a lot of counseling with, um, I would say probably people who are about 55 and older. It's kind of a, the group that I've always counseled, I think more than any other group. Um, but you know, these, these cliches that we say in our society, well, gosh, you know what? They really are based in some truth, um, a lot of cliches. And so, you know, as you get older and you're starting just to simplify and think about, you know, what is the the core of who I really am? What is the core in these relationships that Mm -hmm. feel so important to me? What is the core thing that I want to contribute to society? usually it doesn't tend to be complex things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's a hard thing for the younger generation to, um, to relate to people who are aging. Right. Um, you you know, we, we get a lot of cultural messages, you know, that we become invisible, that if a woman, I, I read an article in the New York times that was debunking the myth that if a woman hasn't achieved her potential by the age of 50, she never will. Mm-hmm. And and of course, we know that those cultural myths that are handed down are not true, but right. we tend to absorb them anyway, even though we right. say not true. Why do we take it on board anyway? We don't have enough examples, I don't think. I, I think that people, as they get older, um, as they're aging, they they're not out and about. You don't see them. You don't see that, you know, people who are, are doing things and still being active and still wearing fashionable clothing and, you know, just doing things that, that, that we enjoy and mm-hmm. people enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and as your body ages, obviously you have more aches and pains, you might have more limitations than you did before. So maybe you're not able to be out and about as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, even so, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people are reading, uh, you know, writers who are aging or, or we don't even talk about it. We right. don't even know right. if there's our favorite author. Um, you know, we don't know how old she is. We don't really think about that. Right. And so I think there's just so much of um, this idea that we basically just don't talk about aging a whole mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And 
we don't see it a whole lot. Um, and then when we do see it, I think we, uh, our culture says, Oh, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. (laughs) You know, I have, I have found, and I'm sure you see this too, that of course, as my body ages, you know, I'm aware of changes in my body. And of course I hate it. You know, I see the new lump in a finger, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God, how am I going to live with this? And yet at the same time, it's ironic that I feel my skills as a trainer, as a teacher, mm-hmm. as an author, as a podcast host, my mm-hmm. skills have never been stronger. As right. my body is declining, my mental skills, my talents are getting richer. Right. So part of the dilemma for me, or part of the challenge, rather, it's not a dilemma, it's a challenge, is to focus on what I've gained and not focus on what I've lost. Right. Now, you know, I'm not real good at this. (laughs) I'm not always (laughs) good at this. And you know, so much of that, I think, is because we we do focus so much on what things look like and what we look like that we forget that there's so much value in experience. And I mean, the only way that you can get experience is by living. And as you get older, you get more experience, right? So, you know, for me, when I'm counseling people and just even thinking about myself, I mean, I think that New York times article is, is really off base because I think that, you know, most of the women that I know, they really start to come into their own and start to come into this place of um, exactly what you're talking about, where you, you are just really learning and increasing in your confidence. And I think that really starts to happen around age 45 or 50, yeah. where it's like, you're not so worried so much about, um, you know, what people think of you or what the quote unquote rules are and all of these expectations that are put upon you, you just start saying, gosh, I'm really good at this or I'm really good at that. And you're working more in that sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people, when they are struggling with aging, it's because their focus is is too much on um, how their physicality has changed mm-hmm. and they're putting too much of their, um, their sense of self onto that or mm-hmm. their self identity onto right. what your hair color is and what's sagging and what's not sagging and where are the lumps and the bumps and, um, can you bend down as easy as you did before? <laughs> right. And, and, you know, when, when I'm having these discussions with myself or with other women, you know, the, the truth is that no one in my life will love me more if I looked different, if I had less wrinkles, if I had less gray, if I could bend over easily. No one would love me better if those things happened. No, that's right. And I meet people, you know, I'm I'm a mad networker, you know, because Mm -hmm. I'm now an entrepreneur, I'm always networking. And you know, initially I was afraid that because of my age, I would be invisible. Mm-hmm. And I am mostly the oldest networker in any of the groups that I attend. Mm-hmm. Right. But nobody is aware of it because my energy is young. Right. My enthusiasm for them is true and strong. Mm-hmm. And they may initially go, oh, old gal. Until I open my mouth and start interacting with them. And then they're like, oh, wow, Rena's cool. 
<laughs> right. You know, right. and that's kind of the sequence. Right. It's, I mean, you're probably in a more genuine place than you ever have been. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, I think people pick up on that. And I think that's a, I think that's one of the, uh, the beautiful things when I see people aging well. And when I say aging well, I'm meaning that their, their mind and their spirit is kind of accepting where they're at, you know, mm-hmm. along their life path. Um, but I think people do become more genuinely who they are mm-hmm. and that that starts to come through in their interactions. And I think that changes people's perspective of aging that, you know, if you're aging, you're suffering. That's not, I mean, some people who are aging are suffering, um, but there's even amongst your suffering there, you can still embrace aging and embrace what um, life has taught you and and take the good with the bad and, um, you know, and contribute to things. Right. Um, so, yeah. And of course, that word contribute is what significant at 70, this whole podcast series has been about, is for those of us who want to continue making a contribution, continue to share our skills to make other people's lives better. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the purpose of life. You know, why are we here? We are here to help each other. We are here to contribute. We are here to make the world better, to make the people in front of me feel a little bit better today. Right? I can't change right. the world. I can't tackle huge problems. They are, those huge problems are going to be there with or without me. But there are people that are put in right. my place in front of me every day that I can help. And I gen, general, generally help with my skill set. You know, how do you show up for the world? How do you talk to the world? How do you move through the world? How you show up. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that's what ultimately you talk to your uh, clients about is how do you want to show up in the world and what can you do in order to show up the way you want? And so I want to shift our conversation to what are the choices that people, women specifically, but that people can make to ensure that they can contribute into their senior years? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. And I mean, the the very first thing that I would tell anybody is to keep your body moving. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, your, your, your mind is going to follow suit with whatever your body is doing. So I think that as people are aging and wanting to contribute, they've, they've got to keep their mind, their, their body moving and keep it as strong as possible and, and be flexible because that also does, you know, that starts to release all the feel good chemicals and mm-hmm. all these things It helps your brain mm-hmm. stay active. It helps your mind stay active. It contributes to exactly what you talked about before, increasing happiness and decreasing anxiety. Right. So I think that as, but also as people are moving, ideally they're getting out of their homes more. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're interacting mm-hmm. with more people, right? Whether you go to the gym and you do water aerobics or you're walking or, um, you know, you're, uh, doing body pump and being awesome at that <laughs> at 65 or 70 years old. Um, which really, I mean, I just went this morning and there's, you know, three women who, I don't know, they probably look 65 or 70 in my class, which is great. It's great. Um, but I think that it, it is great. And I think that the the more that you are out and about taking care of yourself, the more you are going to have those interactions with people where you can 
um, start to develop a friendship um, with somebody in your season of life or somebody who's younger and start to just share about who you are. I think that's where a lot of the contribution is that we, you know, we want to package it, I think, in this fancy way that maybe we've got these great skills. But I think just our history, our own personal history Mm -hmm. and our own experiences um, are huge in in how we contribute to other people's lives. Yes. Um, you never, yes. ever know, you know, you might tell a story about something and have a huge impact on somebody who is in your same season of life. And that might propel them to get out and do the thing that they have been dying to do mm-hmm. or the thing that they have been so afraid to do. Mm-hmm. And y- you never know if the thing that you said spurred them on into action. Right. Um, I, I also think that, you know, so much of it does have to do with, I think, with your physical health of, you know, looking at how you are seen and how you're hearing and, and, um, you know, taking the right steps to kind of correct those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as people start aging and they can't see as well, well, maybe they're, they don't want to wear glasses. Well, so then they're afraid to drive and they don't want to go anywhere or mm-hmm. they have a hard time hearing and they don't want to get hearing aids or things like that. But, you know, I think that's part of the acceptance piece of aging and teaching younger people that, gosh, just because your body is changing doesn't mean you're insignificant. But if you, if you believe that and are acting in that way and staying to yourself and isolating and, you know, not just doing the things you love, well, you are believing you're insignificant and people are going to, end up seeing that yes. from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that keeping your body moving and getting out of your home and just talking to people actually is one of the first, the best things that you can do. That's Absolutely. what, that's what you're talking about with networking, yeah. you know? Yeah. Getting um, out. Talking but if getting you just, out. Yeah. And if you, I mean, even if you're not a, a business owner anymore, um, but you know, if you're going to a restaurant, just, have a conversation. You never know if someone says, Hey, you know what? I love to cook. There's that, you know, place where we can learn how to cook. And that can be a great fun thing where, you know, you can feel like you contribute to something if that's your passion, if you love right? to cook. Um, you reminded me of, of a story, uh, a thing that I went through recently. I have been denying for about five years that I was getting cataracts. I wouldn't let my eye doctor use the C word. He would start and I would say, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> nope, nope. So my cataracts developed. And as you said, I kind of quit driving at night because I wasn't seeing so well. Right? Right. So I decided mm-hmm. to go ahead, get the cataract surgery, which I was a total baby about. I mean, I was totally, you know, traumatized, clockwork orange. I was just absolutely awful about this. <laughs> And then I had it done and I could see again. I'm driving at night again, just as courageously as I ever did. Why did right. I go through that? Why did I put myself through that when I could have just accepted, done what I needed to do to correct the problem and moved on? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think so much of that is, you know, what what do you believe it means about you? 
right? And that's the question I think that we always are asking ourselves, you know, throughout our life is what does this thing mean about me? Um, you know, you're talking about some of your experiences. Well, you know, you, I have been growing my gray hair out. Well, now it's fully grown out. Um, but I've been dying my hair since I was in my early twenties. And, um, I think it was maybe my 38th birthday that I said, I'm just done with this. I'm just going to acknowledge and admit that I have gray hair. And so I just started growing it out. And it was actually very, very difficult for me because, you know, people would say, gosh, you look older and it was really uncomfortable. But I had to, I had to wrestle with this question of what do I think it means about me mm-hmm. and how, how much do I want to live genuinely for who I am and how my body actually looks. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I mean, I wrestled with that question for about a year and a half while I was growing my hair out and, um, you know, really having to face other people's um, thoughts about my decision and face other people's fears about aging. And it was really interesting. Thank you for sharing that story. I was hoping that you would, because that's something that you and I had talked about before. But this idea of leaning into the discomfort which is what Mm -hmm. you did through that year and a half of growing out your hair. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but the end result is going to take me somewhere better. So leaning into the discomfort. I also, you also mentioned, although you didn't use this word, taking a risk, getting out of your comfort zone. Um, Mm -hmm. You asked me before we started our podcast today, how did my cabaret go? And and I want to use the cabaret as an example of going outside your comfort zone and doing something that you're scared to death to do. Now, I used mm-hmm. to be a singer and and I sang a lot. And then my voice started to age. And I thought, if I can't sing as good as I used to sing, then I just won't sing at all. So for a <laughs> decade, I didn't sing. Well, during the pandemic, I was wanting to make myself happier, bring my anxiety level down. I started singing for fun. And you know what happens when you practice anything? You get better. (laughs) I started singing better again. And then I thought, well, if I'm singing so well, maybe I need to invite people to hear me sing. So that's kind of a scary thing. When you're 13 and you're a singer, it's cute. When you're 70 (laughs) and you sing for people, it's not always cute. So I said, (laughs) I'm going to do this. So um, I invited a group of, I don't know, about 40 people, good friends who know me and have known me for a long time and would celebrate me doing something that was hard. So mm-hmm. I put myself out there. I did this, this little hour long cabaret concert, whatever. And it felt like I was walking back into myself, you know, rediscovering yes. a talent that I had let go because it was aging. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm back into right. singing every day. I was asked to sing in a fundraiser next weekend. Oh, you know? wow. So yeah. It, it's something that I, I took a risk and I was scared to death when I started. But once I got mm-hmm. into the flow of the event, it was like, oh my God, I remember how to do this. This is amazing. Well, what's so nice about that is that that self-care thing that you were doing, 
-hmm. then turn into your little risk, but then turn into these other things. And, you know, earlier you asked about like, how do people get into that, you know, doing something that they love again? Well, I think it starts just like that is you you just start doing something on your own and then allow it to grow, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened in in this case for you, which is so great. I know. So, but we're starting to get close to the end of our time together, but I want to talk about EMDR. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a therapy technique that you've done with me that I have found extremely helpful. And I know other people have, but when I mention it, people who haven't done it have no idea what it is. Can you talk to us about EMDR and how it could help people with their aging obsessions or anxieties? Yeah. So EMDR, it, it'll be hard to talk about in a in a short, brief period of time, but essentially what it is, it's a it's a therapy. It's not much of a talking therapy. So if you've gone to therapy before and you've done a lot of talking, you're not going to do as much of that. But it's a therapy that really helps you, um, I guess, reconcile the emotional part of your experiences in your life that have strong emotions that you might not be able to put into words with the other part of yourself, the other part of your brain that does use language to help us make meaning of our experiences. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that as people are aging, for example, you know, we, people might have a lot of fears about aging. If you've seen, you know, somebody's health decline, or you've seen somebody get really sick and pass away, or you've just had your own chronic health problems. Um, and so our, our brains kind of take those experiences in and they, they get stored in this emotional center of our brain. And sometimes that emotional center is not connecting up with the logical center that uses words and they, they're not talking to each other. And so I think that's where so much of the acceptance or lack of acceptance comes in is that we have these strong emotions that we can't put words to, and we don't know exactly what it means. All we know is we're scared to death of this thing. Mm -hmm. We're scared to death of the future. We're scared to death of what our body will or will not be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, We're scared to death of how people will perceive us. And if, if we're insignificant and, and when you use EMDR, it's, it's like a deeper reflection into those emotional states and just allowing your brain to kind of sift through them a little bit and, and look at them. And, and then your, your left logical brain kind of comes online and says, Oh, now that you've sifted through all that stuff, here's what it actually means. Mm-hmm. And, and of course the, the therapist, um, you know, we're, we're guiding and we're asking questions to, to try to, um, help you do that. Um, but I think there's, I think when, when someone does EMDR, at least my experience with it, with my clients is that they get a lot of truths that come out of that, like truths about themselves, um, deep truths that they, they know deep down inside, but they just don't know how to uncover, or they don't know the language to use for it. Or society has, has told them it's, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of reconciliation that happens within a person, um, when we do EMDR. Yeah. 
that that has been my experience with it. And I found it to be such a powerful tool that I wanted to share a little bit of that with our listeners today. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, as we wind down today, if someone is intrigued by what you've said today and wants to reach out to you or to your counseling service, where can they find you? We're on uh, www.legacycounselingservices.com. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We've got a YouTube channel. Um, and I've got nine employees that work with me. And um, I think we do a great job. And yeah. Oh, I know you do a great job. And thank I'm you. so grateful for you in the world and the work that you do. And thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a significant conversation, and I think it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's been my pleasure. And that is it for this episode of Let's Get Vocal with Rena. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Get Vocal with Rena. I want to remind you how important you are to this podcast. Send me your questions about voice, speech, presentation, confidence. You are part of this discussion. You can reach out to me through my website, myvocalauthority.com, or at renacook at cox.net. Lastly, let's take joy and generosity with us today and every day. Each of us has a role to play in making this world better. We can do this by simply finding joy in simple acts of generosity. And remember, we are all public speakers whenever we use our voice in the presence of another human being. Breathe deeply, stand tall, speak your truth boldly, and the world will listen.